You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call, as today your Indiana Hoosiers fall yet again for the 10th time in 11 games to the Minnesota Golden Gophers, 84-63, to in a game that really didn't even feel that close. Al Durham hit a couple of threes late that kind of brought Indiana over that 60-point mark. But this was in a season, really, you know, in a couple of months of really, really bad Indiana performances, this ranks right up there or right down there, I guess you would say, with some of the worst. The Hoosiers, you know, went down early thanks to some uh, <laughs> some interesting shots that Minnesota made. But after that, you know, Minnesota started making some good looks and Indiana just didn't have any answers offensively at all. And it was just a pretty steady demolition by Minnesota uh, in a game that they Seemed to want a little bit more. They played a little bit harder. They certainly made more shots. And, uh, you know, yet again, we kind of saw Indiana's will and spirit just be broken by the second half. Uh, and it resulted in a 21-point loss. The Hoosiers now 13-12, and 4-10 and 10 in conference play. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Chad Schwartzkopf. And we will break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show, as we always do. And we'll start this show the way that we start every show. And that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. And... You know, there's really only one place I think that you can go with this banner moment. And that is the five minute mark in the second half when Race Thompson got a bucket, then went to the other end, took a charge, and then came back on the other end, dove on the floor for a loose ball. I don't remember if Indiana got it or forced a jump ball, but whatever. It was just so, yeah, it was just so great to see him back on the court. Now, he had played in the first half, he came in with about a minute left, didn't really get involved statistically. But that little stretch for him right there was great. And it really, it showed you some of what Indiana has been missing with him out of the lineup, which is activity down low, you know, the ability to score and just that toughness to dive on the floor for a loose ball. And it was, you know, such a stark contrast in a game where, you know, Jordan Murphy's toughness and physicality really, really hurt uh, Indiana, especially in the first half. Uh, you know, Race Thompson ends up scoring two points, has five rebounds, two offensive, uh, a couple of blocks, had a steal. So, I mean, it was a very productive seven minutes for Race. And more than anything, it was just awesome after the concussion issues and everything else that he's dealt with, the, the, the illness as well as he got you know, sick, and that's kind of hurt his conditioning since he got cleared from the, um, from the concussion. But man, it was great to see him out there, to see him playing hard and making the most of his minutes You know, on a day when not a lot of Hoosiers really, really played well, um, at least for the seven minutes when he was out there, Race Thompson did. And hopefully that's a sign of things to come here as we go down the stretch for this season and into the future for his Indiana career. All right, today's Who's Your Proud Banner moment, as always, 
Brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud and Home Field. And at homefieldapparel.com, you will find the comfiest and most unique licensed IU apparel that is available anywhere. At HoosierProud.com, you'll find great state of Indiana-themed apparel while sending 10% of your purchase to causes around Indiana, like Habitat for Humanity of Greater Indianapolis. Both brands were started by an IU grad, and all Hoosier Proud and Home Field apparel is designed and printed out of Indianapolis. Be sure to check out Home Field's vintage IU designs. They have so many really, really cool old IU designs that you can't find anywhere else, uh, including the classic Indiana warm-up script tees and long sleeves, which are printed on incredibly soft tri-blends. Uh, and of course, the, the sweatshirt that we've told you about all season long, the hoodie with the Bison logo. Such a cool uh, logo, such a cool sweatshirt. Um, you'll really enjoy it. And plus, it's just remarkably comfortable. That's at homefieldapparel.com. Can a brother get some coupons? Yes, you can. Don't forget to use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your order on either site. That is promo code ASSEMBLY at hoosierproud.com and homefieldapparel.com. All right, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Ryan, we will start with you. Plenty to rant about today. Again, what are you going to choose? Yeah, I'm just going to kind of go macro with this instead of breaking down this game because it was horrible and there was nothing good. I mean, the race Thompson stuff, we've been telling you about him for a long time. We were really excited to see him on the floor because we know what he can do. And we watched him in high school and we, uh, you know, broke down what he can do and all that stuff. And he's a guy who adds something to this team. And it's really sad to watch him go out there and play that well. It's great on one hand, but it's also depressing because you think, what if he and Jerome Hunter have been healthy this year? What, what, how good would the bench have been? Would it have completely changed the dynamic of this team? Maybe not, but at least you get them some experience heading into next year. It was great seeing race on the floor. Uh, he's a guy that I particularly have been super high on and super excited about since he enrolled uh, last year. Um, what I will say about this, and, and I know there was a lot of talk online and everything about Archie Miller and is he lost the team and is the team, you know, Archie Miller's not going anywhere guys he's not getting fired this year okay it doesn't matter how bad this goes they are locked into him and, and he's going to be back next year and he's going to be given a chance because of the recruiting he's done and because of some of the work he's done within the program modernizing it doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes that people are really high on he's going to get the chance to have his own players in next year and and pretty much it'll be a roster almost completely full of his guys uh, of his kind of guys and so he's going to get that chance. So all of that talk needs to stop. Uh, that's just silly at this point. This is his second year. Should it have been, should it be going better? Yes. Do I question the coach? Absolutely. I question a lot of his decisions, but he's going to be here. There's no, like, it's not even worth discussing that part of it. What I will say is it's become increasingly apparent that Archie needs to bring somebody in, in the off season to help him rework the offense. And, 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 find different avenues and be more creative offensively instead of being locked into the same thing over and over and over again. Because yeah, I realize if Indiana were shooting threes better, this offense would open up. That's what happens in college basketball these days. We saw it one year with Tom Crean's offense where they, they couldn't shoot threes and it was a horrible offense. The next year, a couple guys could shoot. It opened everything up and the offense was unbelievable. Um, it, that really is a, a huge factor in it, but he needs to bring somebody in who is sort of like an offensive guru to help him figure this out so that when threes aren't going in, are there other things they can do to make this work? And, and you can't be consistently scoring in the sixties and win in college basketball these days. You can do it a few times, certainly when your defense really steps up, but you cannot do that consistently over the course of the year and expect to be a championship team. We've seen that with Virginia. 
Virginia can be great during the year, holding everybody under 50 points and, you know, doing what they do. But then you get into these tougher games against the more talented teams. And if a team hits a couple shots, you're already up against it because you're not a team that scores very much. And so you need to be able to do both defend and run up the score on offense when you can. And, and so I do think Archie needs to bring in somebody, get some perspective. And look, I think Archie Miller is a very smart guy. He thinks he's a very smart coach. This season has not gone the way he wanted. I guarantee you there's nobody on the planet more disappointed than he is. Just what I know about Archie, what I know about Archie from talking to people who knew him at Dayton, what I know about talking to Archie, uh, talking about Archie to people who knew him when he was assistant coach. This is not a guy who's going to sit there and just take this. He is going to make changes. And I just think uh, those changes have to be specifically targeted this year. He needs to bring in somebody, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, a support staff member who can help these guys learn how to shoot threes better or come up with some new drills for how to shoot in the offseason and work on your three-point shooting and, and make that an effective weapon for Indiana. They went 2 of 17 today. That's not going to win you any games on the road in the Big Ten or out of it. You're not going to win going two of 17 from three. Um, it's it's the three point shot is a weapon now in college basketball, in the NBA as well. And you need to be able to do it effectively if you're going to be an effective team. Um, what I would also say is, as I said, he needs to bring in someone to help him with his offense, with, whether it's a brand new tear down, scrap everything, bring it up from the, you know, from the bottom up. I don't know, but there needs to be something figured out here and changed. And they need to pay top dollar to do it. If you got to go to, wherever North Carolina and get Roy Williams guy to teach you the secondary break and some other stuff to get the offense running. I don't know, but you're going to have to do that. And, and making changes is tough. I know he's close with the guys who are on his staff, but there need to be changes made. And it's clear that right now, the communication from the top of this program to the bottom is not great because some of these guys have given up and, and, and midway through the game, I know they, they're, they're all, we, we heard they were, guys sick all week there was this there was that there was the other thing it all played into minnesota having a great shot to just bury indiana they hit a couple banked threes early you have a guy hit his first three that he's taken all year i mean it all piles up and then it turns into guys just giving up and that's not acceptable ever and while i do blame the coaches for partially for that the players need to have more pride too so i you know when people say is it the coaches is it the players it's on everybody right now it really is. And this has been embarrassing as an Indiana fan. It's been raining for like three days straight in San Diego. It's a nice day today, and I'm stuck inside watching that. Really, guys? I, I don't want to do that. And, and and it ruined the early part of my day. I'm going to be in a bad mood all day because of this. Come on. You're going to have 360 other days of good weather. Stop complaining about that. For my sake, though. you know. Hey, you know what? Because we don't get many bad days, it depresses us even more when we get bad days. So Cut it's his even mic. worse. Cut his here. microphone. <laughs> but no, for, for real, none of us as Indiana fans want to watch this. And I guarantee you, Archie Miller doesn't want to coach this right now, but he's stuck with it. And I mean, after what we saw tonight, I would see we're going to see a lot more Ray Thompson, I think, if he's healthy. And uh, I mean, you know, it's just I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to say about the team. We can go by guy by guy again, but we're doing the same thing every week. And there have been other seasons where we've done that. And we've just kind of been like, what are we going to say about him? I mean, now the, the, I, there's some other stuff that we'll get into. Sure. Yeah, no, I know. But it's, you know, it, what what can we say about this? Street? What we can say is, is that it's got to get better at some point. And, and whether it's this year or we head into next year with a new crop of guys in there and a new attitude, 
uh, it has to happen. And, and this program needs to be in a better footing. I actually didn't feel bad about where the program was at the end of last year, despite not having a great record, because you saw a lot of fight and you saw a lot of effort from guys. And you're not seeing that right now. And, and I know it's hard to lose, you know, nine of 10, 10 of 11, and then go out there and give an all-star effort because you just feel defeated. But at the same time, that's what you're there for. So it, it's really, it's sad to see. That was the longest opening statement in the history of the show. Yeah. Well, what do you want? Even, it's not even close. All right. All right. It's time for Chad's good or bad. Chad, what do you have for us today? Well, in a game like this, it's always the hardest to find the good. Obviously, the bad for me that I'm going to go to is that three-point difference that we talked about. And, I mean, there is a little bit of icing on that uh, bad in the, in the realm of them hitting just ridiculous shots. And Indiana has some sort of voodoo curse on them where uh, the other team gets to hit every lucky shot that they throw at it. But uh, that the three-point defense kind of was capped for me when we had a moment in the second half when – Evan and Romeo, after a uh, ball screen, were both chasing Coffee at the same time. And Coffee just kind of did a dribble stop God. and uh, was able to shoot over both of them and, and, and drain a three. I mean, that, that was exhausting. I mean, that, that's, that was the cherry on top. Uh, the only good I was able to pull from it in, in, a, in a court that we always, I always hate to see those elevated courts because you, you hold your breath because our guys might not be uh, experienced playing on a court like that. Uh, we had Duran being the uh, only guy trying to sprint back at high speed and uh, trying to stop a, a fast break and uh, doesn't quite make it and goes flying off the court. And, well, the good is that he didn't hurt himself and he got right back in there. But uh, that was a scary moment that turned into, I guess, a, a good moment. Um, but, yeah, in, in, a, in a game like this, it's always hard to find – uh, but the positives to come around. Uh, the other thing that maybe I want to just piggyback on that a little bit with the bad is this, this team was a team at the beginning of the year where we were looking up stats on, uh, on, on Miller and talking about how he was able to claw back and fight in close games and everything. And we seem to have lost that somewhere. And uh, now we just can't, can't find that, that willpower anymore. By the way, ban raised courts. Yes. All of yes. them. Yes. Get rid of all and they are dangerous and they serve no purpose yep also how bad was this game for a while that moment with duran was the leader in the clubhouse for banner moment just him going off and not getting hurt and, and he had a, a couple other times where he fell to the ground but got up and kept going and that was that was really about the only positive i could find so okay one thing i want to hit here before we close this segment because it was obviously talked about a lot on the broadcast and you just look at the box score and it's going to jump right out at you Romeo played 31 minutes and only took six field goal attempts. There is no question that that is unacceptable. The thing is, though, Ryan, you know, I don't think it's quite so simple as, you know, the offense didn't utilize him properly. I think that's a big part of it. At to, I agree with everything that you said, you know, about we've got to figure out this offense. There's no question. I mean, because the fact that we have had no answers offensively and really have shown no improvement is concerning, you know, from, oh, yeah. from this coaching staff's perspective. But, you know, I also think at a certain point, you know, Romeo has to take advantage of the opportunities that he gets and be more aggressive and move off the ball and do more to make things happen. So to me, it's not as simple as just saying this team doesn't know how to use him. You know, he also didn't do enough to get himself going. And so I think there's shared blame to go around for that. And the result is, you know, 10 points on, you know, very quiet six field goal attempts that has to be more for a guy who is the most talented player on the floor 
and when you are that, you have to assert you have to assert your will more often than he did. It was just we've seen him be very aggressive, and today was just a very passive performance from him, along with the offense not getting him opportunities for easy easy right. It's, baskets. it's definitely it's definitely a combination of the two. I mean, they're running him off screens constantly. You know, you hear them on the broadcast them saying, "Well, they got a screen for him." Well, they're screening for him a lot, and he's getting the ball. Yeah. At some point, like I realize there's a guy defending you, but you got to beat your guy one on one if you're better than him, and and. I, I just think that there needs to be more urgency from Romeo to do that early in games and put a defense on its heels because sometimes you'll see him line up to drive and then just pass it to the guy next to him and who's not in a particularly good position to score. If he starts driving earlier in games, and we've been harping on this for a while, that he kind of starts really slowly. If he starts driving earlier in games, then the guy defending that guy next to him he's going to give the ball to is going to have to help off. Then you get him the ball and he's open. And, and so there's... There's a hesitancy from everybody on this team to shoot from distance. You can see it. I mean, from most of the guys on the team. So when Romeo's giving the ball up there, you're not giving the ball up to somebody in a chance to score or in a position to do something. You're giving it to them in a position to essentially stand there and, and then maybe pass the ball. So I, I would say the problem with Romeo right now is he just has to be more and more aggressive. Yeah, no question. Chad, your thoughts on it, and then we'll break. I remember seeing moments this game specifically where he would try to do one of his drives or something, and, and he'd get cut off, and then he'd have to pass the ball off, and you see him shaking his head in, in frustration. Uh, there aren't too many times as well that I've noticed that after he has a failed attempt or a failed play that gets him off the screen that he's tried to go at it again. Uh, I think frustration sits in too quickly on him. And I think that's part of the freshman woes of being who he was and what he was able to do yeah. in high school. It was easy. Just to, everything always worked for him. Oh yeah. The defenders <laughs> are exponentially better right now, you know, obviously. And, and, and that should be noted, like hat tip to Minnesota. They also played good defense. You know, it took two for this tango to happen. And, and it was said on the broadcast, you know, Minnesota came out and played angry. They played tougher. And on almost all possessions, that was true. Save for a few where I thought Juwan really battled. And we'll get to that later. But, you know, they were just tougher and they took their space. And, yeah, you know, there were those opportunities and you back out and you've got to come right back at it. And they were just the more relentless team. And the more relentless team, the more aggressive team is often going to be the one that wins both individual battles and the game. And that's exactly what happened today. Just that's just kind of the DNA of this team. I mean, we've seen what how many games are we into the season now? 25 games. I think we have a pretty good idea uh, that that's just kind of how this team is constructed right now. All right, well, coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Minnesota, I'll point out today's meaningful moments that you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from this game. There's a few that really tell the story. You are listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Chad Schwartzkopf, and we're breaking down Indiana's 10th loss in 11 games. Who's just lost by 21 points today in the barn against Minnesota. It is time for today's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And, you know, there was one in the second half that I'll point out real quick. I mean, again, Indiana gets off to a bad start in the second half. This was yet another game. You know, bad start in the first half, bad start in the second half. It's plagued Indiana all year. It was the same thing again today. You know, with about 14 minutes left in the second half, it's 54 to 38. And it kind of feels like 
Indiana might have a little chance to get a run. Minnesota had started to get a little bit three happy after making three or four of them early. They'd missed a few. So they miss one. We get a rebound, come down, and Devontae Green, as he did way too often today, just took an early, you know, kind of wild shot early in the shot clock off the dribble, didn't probe the defense at all. He misses it. It wasn't even close. Then we go down on the other end, and Devontae gives Gabe Kalsher pretty much a wide-open three-pointer because he doesn't close out. We talked all week about how there's one guy on Minnesota that you can't give clean looks to. That's Kalsher. Of course we did. And boom, we give up an offensive possession. They make a three. It goes to a 19-point game. We had no chance after that. Not that we might have had a chance anyway, but that kind of felt like our last gasp, and we just kind of pissed it away. But to me, where this game was really lost, Ryan, is you know it was 28-16 in the first half. We hadn't been playing well, but we went on a nice 9-2 run where I thought Juwan really put us on his back. I mean, he had a great offensive rebound. He scored a bucket, had a great defensive play on Jordan Morgan, where he actually stood his ground, forced that jump ball, where he kept his hand on the ball. It was a great play. You know, then he drives into the lane and scores. On the next two possessions after that, Romeo hits an elbow jumper. Devontae hits a three. It's 30-25, to 25, and it's like, all right, you know what? We weathered them making some uncharacteristic threes. We've got our toughness back. Here we go. Now this is going to be a ball game. And what happens on the next two possessions? But Jordan Murphy basically says, no, this is my house. This is my game. I'm better than you. I'm tougher than you. And I'm going to go score. And he got a three-point play, got a bucket. It was 35 to 25. And Indiana never really threatened again. And that was the difference. You know, Jordan Murphy had a terrific game. And that sequence right there was timely. And Indiana didn't have anybody who was able to stand up to him in those moments. And that was your ball game. So, you know, I don't know what other moments stood out to you, but to me, you know, those in each half, it's like you've got a chance, but that's been the problem for this team during the losing streak is when they get that chance and they've got to continue a run or stop a run, they can't do it. Yeah, they don't they don't stand up well when they get punched in the mouth. I mean, they, they really don't. And and uh, Jordan Murphy did a lot of punching today. And, and I mean, that guy's phenomenal. I mean, honestly... Uh, you know, watching him for all these years, it's that guy deserves to be all Big Ten. I, I think he's a borderline All-American just given what he's done this year. But the thing is, he plays for Minnesota, so he's probably not going to get that much credit um, nationally. But he just he's a guy who is the same every game. And he, he's he's kind of the way Indiana needs to be, which is just aggressive, powerful in the game, hustling. That's that's the exact player Indiana needs right now is a guy like that. And people say, you know, what player in the rest of the Big Ten? We had that exercise early in the year. What what player in the rest of the Big Ten would you want on your team, you know, tomorrow if you could? And the answer for me is Jordan Murphy. There's no question. I know Jared said Ethan Happ just to get me uh, riled up, but I, I I think that it's it's certainly Jordan Murphy because that guy affects his entire team. He gets everybody else involved. He cheers on everybody else. He seen him get pulled and it was like a, almost a 30 point game. He got pulled, got a standing ovation. And he's on the bench cheering as loud as anybody. I mean, that's the kind of guy you want on your team. And, um, you know, he's just, he's, he's fun to watch. I mean, even as an opponent getting bludgeoned by him, it's, it's fun to watch him play and his aggressiveness. So, um, you know, you're right. I mean, as soon as he sensed that Minnesota was, had something slipping away, he just powered his way through, got two three-point plays, and buried Indiana right there. Chad, what other moments stood out to you? Well, I wanted to just piggyback on what Ryan was saying there. I mean, him and Morgan are very similar players when they're on the court. 
where they lack is that emotion that you just spoke of. Um, that's what I want to see out of Morgan more, uh, especially when we're down and fighting against it. And uh, someone in the chat had just mentioned, and I was going to mention it as well. At, at the end of the game, you, you the TV at least showed some huddles uh, after plays, and and the guys were just kind of going through the motions of let's stand together and then let's break and go do something else. I want to see Morgan in there firing being a senior leader and, and just hitting guys on the chest and telling them, let's get back in this, let's keep fighting because I'm here fighting too, but he doesn't. It, 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 I don't know. I, I, I want to see it out of a senior and this team doesn't have that person right now. This team hasn't had that person since Yogi left. You know, and I think you had guys like Robert Johnson last year and Juwan this year who are really good players and really good seniors but maybe not as comfortable in the alpha role as you need. And on a team, you need guys that kind of fall into those roles. And if you don't have an alpha that is also a senior and is also one of your best players, you're really going to struggle from a leadership perspective. You know, well, I think it's worth noting that during Yogi's senior year, he had Troy Williams too. And Troy Williams, yeah. regardless of what you want, that guy would yell at his teammates and get, get on him if they weren't playing well. And whether yeah. or not he... You know, a lot of people will say, well, until you're playing perfectly, you shouldn't critique your teammates. But Troy Williams would get on guys. Uh, Nick Zaisloff always knew where he was supposed to be, and he was a vocal guy and would get in the mix. And then he had a guy like Thomas Bryant, who was their cheerleader. You know, I mean, he was a guy who would get in. And that, that's underrated aspect of Bryant's time at IU is he was fired up when anybody did anything. And, and sometimes you need that guy to just sort of be your hype man. And, and Bryant was the double of being a five-star center and, no. you know, a, 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 a great player, but also being a guy who was excited for everything, would pump the crowd up, had emotion and all that. Indiana hasn't had that guy since Bryant left either. So, I no, think but also, you know, Bryant was better in that supportive cheerleader role than the next season when you didn't have some of those upperclassmen. He's in more of a leadership role and you saw it kind of wear on his attitude. And that's what yeah. I mean. You really need that hierarchy of leadership in a program. And Indiana doesn't have it right now. And it's something that you have to rebuild. Yeah, you need all those elements, I think. And it really does need to get rebuilt. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, I want I want that to be Deron Davis, and I feel like it could be Deron Davis, and it might be him next year if he feels like he wants to speak up. Both being that cheerleader, as we see in the viral things that Indiana puts out, he's a fun, loving guy, and and very positive, and maybe in that just presence that you have, and and you're not going to holler back at a guy that's that big if he's calling you out on the court. Yeah, his issue is just staying on the court. I mean, I think he definitely has that potential if he can if he can stay on the court. So uh, let's look at some numbers because you know I'll tell you, you know, you watched this game with your eyes and it 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 looked so bad, and then you look at the stats and some of them are surprisingly not that bad. And this isn't meant to like yeah. you know cover this game in sunshine. It actually almost makes it feel a little bit worse because Indiana yeah, did some does. of the things they wanted to do. They got to the free throw line twenty eight times. You know, so so that part of the offense was working. Now, they did not get many assists, only eight assists on 20 field goals. Seven of those came in the second half. And the offense did look a little bit better in the second half. Frankly, the bigger problem in the second half was the defense at the start of the second half was awful. And well, we just see, gave up wide open three after wide open three. The offense in the second half got open looks, too. They just weren't hitting. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, and, and look, in the missed possessions, they weren't hitting. And, and, and that's the story of this game is you have two of the worst three-point shooting teams in the Big Ten coming into this game. It profiled to be a game that was probably going to be in the 60s, you know, because these aren't very good offensive teams. One of those teams, true to form, went 2 of 17 from downtown, which is even worse than, than what they had done before. And the other team went 12 of 22. So Indiana lost by 30 points at the three-point line. 
And that was essentially the difference in the game until Indiana scored a few buckets late. That was it. And yes, three of those early on were ridiculous. I mean, absolutely insane. But Welcome even if, to the road in the Big Ten. Yeah, right? but even if you remove those, the problem is, you know, Indiana didn't seem to understand the scouting report or the scouting report wasn't very good. And you had a guy like Amir Coffey that goes three for six because you allow him to be comfortable from back there. I mean, Indiana's perimeter defense today was just not good at all. The communication was poor. Chad, you know, the, the play that you talked about when you had two guys guarding one until you had none. And then he drained that three. So, you know, the Indiana did some things today that they wanted to do. But, man, you know, at some point you do have to be able to make shots. And I think part of the problem is, you know, what was the difference in the Michigan State game? We all talk about, like, man, you know, Indiana played so well against Michigan State. Yeah, we made 10 three-pointers. And you know why? Because a lot of those three-pointers were off ball movement and inside out, and they were great looks and rhythm. Almost every three it seemed like Indiana took today was Rob off the dribble, Al Durham doing a step back, Juwan Morgan without his feet set. I mean, we really could not get any of the inside out action going, you know, or driving in and kicking out to get rhythm threes. And that's why we didn't make any of them. Minnesota did because we both allowed penetration and, you know, didn't close out well to shooters and left guys that we shouldn't have been leaving. So that part of it, that's where the game changed. And it was in part Minnesota just making a few crazy threes and in part because they got threes in rhythm and we did not. Ryan? The team was standing. I mean, yeah, the they're way too, way too much standing time. around. Yeah. Yes. No, and I, I agree. And it was a lot of waiting for somebody else to drive and waiting for somebody else to do something. And yeah, you can't have that. But no, the numbers to stand out to me. I mean, first of all, just the fact that Indiana got to the line 28 times and made 21 of them, just like, I mean, having watched this game, I mean, I knew they went to the free throw line a lot. But if you hadn't watched this game and you looked at the score line without looking at the box score, you'd think, oh, they probably got murdered on the free throw line and at the three point line. Well, they got murdered at the three-point line. They dominated the free throw line, which is crazy to think. Also, you know, you look at the score line, you think, okay, well, they definitely got out-rebounded. They only got out-rebounded by three. It wasn't that big a deal. Uh, they had 10 blocks. Indiana had 10 blocks defensively. And seven steals. Yeah, wasn't even a storyline. They, they, Minnesota had one block and three steals. Uh, turnovers. I would have thought, you look at that scoreline, Indiana turned the ball over 20 times. Turned it over 12, and Minnesota turned it over 10. So they didn't even, you know, the foul disparity, 19 to 19. Um, where this game was won was by Minnesota at the three-point line. Uh, I mean, you know, it was, when we're saying this, it was won by hustle, uh, attention, you know, I mean, focus, all of that, of course. But if you look at statistically, it was won at the three-point line, as Jared mentioned. Uh, they shot 54.4% from three. I think Minnesota was shooting like 31% on the year. Yeah, they're um, terrible. But you know what? And, and I and I was talking to, I was texting with someone during the thing. It's like, why does this keep happening to Indiana? Why do all the bounces go against them? Why do teams seem to have their best game of the year against Indiana? Well, a lot of that is Indiana allowing them to have their best game of the year. And, yep. and you know, not pressuring the right guys, as Jared mentioned, you know, not focusing on the scouting report, not closing out to the right guys. X, Y, Z. I mean, you know, that that's what it is. And here here's another shocking stat. Indiana had four of their five starters in double figures, and the fourth was Devontae Green, who had eight. So he almost was in double figures too. Yet somehow they get blown out. And, and again, you look at games statistically, you look at those things statistically, and you think, Indiana probably had a pretty good game. Nope, they looked awful. It might be the worst game they've played in this losing streak. And uh, it's... I mean, this was to me as embarrassing as the Duke game. And but the Duke game, you say, all right, that's an incredible team. 
they are going to run you out of their building every time. You know, it's it's going to take a very special team to beat that Duke team. Uh, Walking into a bear's mouth. Exactly. And in this situation, they were playing an average at best team with a really good player and, and, you know, got hammered. So that's the difference. I think this is the most embarrassing game we've seen this year. I think it's the worst game we've seen this year. And uh, aside, as I said, aside from Ray Thompson playing and looking like the guy we know he can be, uh, there was no positive for me today. Yeah. And, and just so this is clear, the point that I was making, because there is a difference between playing well and shooting well. Sometimes you can play well and you just don't shoot well. Today, Indiana played poorly and shot poorly. And I think that the story of the three-point line, some days it's because one team just made shots and the other team just missed shots. Other days, it's because the team that made shots worked harder to get them. And the, the team that shot poorly didn't work hard on either end to get the kind of shots that they wanted. That's what happened today. So it's not as simple as they just made threes, we didn't. They earned their makes more than we earned their makes. And I think that, that the, the three-point stat tells that story today. And honestly, it's funny you talk about that. And there was a game uh, that's, very, that's very indicative of what you're talking about. And it was the national championship game when Carmelo Anthony was at Syracuse and he played Kansas. In the first half, Syracuse just made threes you know i mean they were guarded they were defended well and they wound up winning the game because of that first half where they nailed a bunch of threes and it was really you look at it and you're like you know what there's nothing you can do when a team is just making shots like that there's just nothing you can do and if a team shoots 60 percent from three you're probably gonna lose i mean that's just you know and and but the thing is that you're right. There are some games where it's that where guys are just unconscious, hitting threes, whatever it is. They're hitting, they're hitting, they're hitting, even guarded against Iowa. Iowa hit a couple big threes late, guarded. Um, that's not today. You're right. Today was Minnesota worked and got the right shots because Indiana allowed them to. And and then on the other end, Indiana wasn't getting reversals, wasn't getting rhythm shots and everything from deep. So. You're right. There are two types of games where shooting can be like the big difference. And and this was one of them, but it was the one that you look at and you're like, ugh, you know, like that was bad. Chad, final word on this. I mean, I, I think uh, some of that with them hitting the lucky shots and us not defending it well, at least in the first half, it gives you at least as a fan a little bit of false hope because you see it as one thing. OK, we're in this game despite this one thing. Let's get into the locker room. Let's address this. Let's fix this. They might not be hot and hit these lucky shots anymore. We might be able to defend it a, a, a little bit better yeah. uh, going into the second half. And then we're in it, and this this game we can win. Unfortunately, that correction didn't happen. I mean, whatever we need to do to uh, start a GoFundMe page with the chat mob to get uh, Coach Tonsoni in there at halftime uh, to, to pep the guys up, uh, let's do it. Uh, I would pay so much money to see that. <laughs> uh, He'd get in there with his one of some of his beautiful poetry and quotes, and and uh, we'd we'd see a different flame come 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 out in the players uh, when they come out of half. But oh. it's, it's just what's happening in that locker room at halftime. It, it's obviously not the right adjustments or, or or what we need because things haven't been changing. You know, and, and here's the thing about the the poor start Indiana got off to. I think it was twenty one to eleven at the second media timeout. Nine of those points were kind of BS because you had that a two root three and the two banked in threes. So like at that point, you're thinking, all right, you know what? Like defensively, we've had a few breakdowns, but we're actually playing relatively well defensively and they've just made some crazy shots. 
the problem is it did seem to give them confidence and they continued to work hard to get those those looks and it's almost like it just killed our confidence you know and look we're just we are not a mentally tough team and we've seen it time and again in these you know 10 losses out of 11 games you know the one game where we were mentally tough we worked hard for threes and we made them and it is like you know we need to be realistic about something here it is a huge boost when you're scoring points and shots are going in like it does translate to the other end. And yes, sometimes you can, you know, drive some, you know, some offensive enthusiasm because your defense is really going. But man, we've all played basketball and this is a hard, hard game when offense is like pulling teeth every possession and where you maybe, you know, you don't feel confident in what you're doing. You, you don't have confidence that you're going to make shots. And that's kind of what we saw. And from Minnesota, we saw you make a few of those early looks, man, it builds confidence and you're working harder. And it just, you know, it just divulged for the rest of the game. And it's not to excuse it because well, maybe divulged is the wrong. It di- diverted, it went in opposite directions for the okay. rest of the game. There you go. And it's not to excuse it because someone has to step up and say, look, they made a few threes. Who cares? Let's get back in it. Let's dig in. Let's play for 40 minutes. And this team is just rudderless right now and that they don't have anybody who can do that and do it effectively. And it's led to all these losses. All right. No, they, they just feel defeated. And, yeah. you know, and they look defeated. And then they end up defeated. You know, and, and honestly, when you've lost this many, you know, in a row or a, in, in a stretch, Honestly, it's hard not to. You've got to overcome that, though. But honestly, it's, you know, you know, you know how you overcome that? You overcome that with togetherness and a belief in each other and some esprit de corps. And that's what this team doesn't have. Like, they just don't seem to have the kind of chemistry that allows you to pull through that together. And that's that's part of what makes it difficult to watch. All right, coming up on the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's 21-point loss to Minnesota. Uh, We do need to talk about some more individuals and their performances, talk about the good, the bad from Jawan Morgan and from Al Durham and others. That's next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. While you're there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 6,000 of your fellow IU Hoops fans are subscribed. It'll make you a smarter and more well-informed IU basketball fan. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Chad Schwartzkopf. We're breaking down another Indiana loss. Um, Guys, there are a few individual performances that I want to talk about. One is Juwan Morgans, who, you know, we'll start with the numbers. You know, the shooting was not efficient. He was four for 11, but he had 14 points. He had eight boards, three of them offensive, two assists, four blocks, and three steals. And, you know, to me, he was almost like a poor man's Jordan Murphy in this game. Like, there was so much gushing over Jordan Murphy during the broadcast. And I wanted to be like, hey, like, Juwan Morgans, you know, playing pretty well, too. That fell off a lot in the second half, as pretty much everybody's play fell off in the second half. But I thought in the first half, and I mentioned the stretch where he really keyed that 9-2 to run, I thought he really battled. And I thought he defended well without fouling at times and really did some things you needed him to do. He was not able to make any of his outside shots. He was 0-3 from downtown. And that obviously would have been very helpful. So, you know, we've come on here after some losses and been critical of him, even in games where he put up some numbers. You know, Ryan, I thought on a day when really no one played well, I thought he was the closest to kind of turning in a passable performance 
Because I thought he did play tough, and I thought he did some things that you'd want him to do. He just wasn't able to be as efficient offensively as he normally is. And then, again, in the second half, when you needed someone to step up and kind of be a rudder, he wasn't that guy, and you need more from him from a leadership perspective. But it wasn't a total loss of a performance from him today. He did some no. good things. No, it wasn't a loss. I thought he got abused defensively a lot. Um, I thought he was late on Jordan Murphy. I thought he let Murphy get position a lot. Yeah, so I thought defensively, I thought it was a rough day. Uh, but he did have four blocks and he did have you know five rebounds. But again, Murphy and I know this was on everybody. It wasn't just Jawan, but Murphy had five offensive rebounds and most of those he was able to to at least do something with. Um, but again, Murphy's also fantastic. So you can't look at that and be like, oh, he got abused by a lesser player. He, you know, he was facing a good player. Um, I thought it was an okay game for Juwan, not one of his best. Um, yeah. But there, there was effort there. And I just, I think there's something that's infected this team where everybody is kind of just tr- slump shouldered and everything. And there's no emotion. And I think that that's, you know, I, I think that that is, that, that's affected Juwan as well this year and so again when you're losing like this it's tough to get excited about playing a basketball game it really is it shouldn't be i know i'm just speaking uh you know in reality it's hard to think oh man we could lose again and go out there and get embarrassed it's it's hard to do that and uh you know i know you're on scholarship you should be excited about every game and all this stuff yeah okay it's easy to say that but actually going through the motions it's really difficult and and these guys really that's why it that's why it looked like they were so emotional against Michigan State because they were finally breaking through it looked like and they were finally like we can do this and we're gonna do this and screw everybody we're gonna do this and you just haven't seen that attitude since I mean the one thing that I want to say on Morgan there was one moment that he had in the second half that I was happy to see because I haven't seen it at least enough that I would want to uh when Morgan took uh Otoro on the dribble and uh, drew the fourth foul on a Toro. I mean, that Morgan has decent ball skills, and I want to see that more often because guys that are going to be defending him are not going to be able to defend and slide their feet well enough to keep up with him. I mean, remember back to Crean days, he's playing point guard a little bit. Uh, so, I mean, he's he's got those skills, and I want to see that more. Um, and And – Unfortunately, all the other struggles that we talked about, it was just a, a very, very good, lots of good players in the paint this game. And and he he struggled with that. And on defense, many times I have notes that said Morgan looks lazy on D. And I think that's just because he was tired banging with those guys. Yeah, that's that's happened to him some this year. You know, it was nice to see Deron Davis start. We've been asking for that. You know, so th- this coaching staff is not completely stubborn. I mean, they are willing to try some different things didn't change anything in either half, obviously. Um, so, it, you know, it goes deeper than that. And Duran had some nice moments. He had 10 points and four boards, wasn't able to get any assists. And, you know, part of that was just where he was catching the ball. Part of it was the lack of movement. You know, part of it is too often our offense is four guys standing around the three-point line, dump it inside, and then no one really moves. No one really does anything. And that's just not creating opportunities. The other guy that I want to mention here, Ryan, is Al Durham who finished with 12 points, you know, he had kind of a flurry there at the end where he hit, you know, five, uh, five points on a couple of pull-up shots. I thought, you know, on a day where the, the, the energy wasn't great and the fight wasn't great, I did think Al brought that in the minutes that he was on the court. Now, his defense wasn't always the smartest. He got lost and, you know, gave up buckets to Kalsher. Those were more mistakes of, you know, kind of focus than mistakes of effort. Like, I thought he was playing hard, playing tough. 
but I also thought like it almost went to the next level of being skittish. Like he was almost playing so hard offensively. It was like he was going a quarter step fast and it led to a couple of turnovers and he got himself into positions where, you know, the spacing got out of whack and just because his recognition with the dribble wasn't great. So, you know, it's nice again to see him in double figures, to see him as the second leading scorer on the team. But I thought the three, the three turnovers were kind of indicative of the struggles that he had mentally in this game. And I think he's still a guy who's learning, okay, you know, I'm, I've kind of become the third option you know, when do I need to be aggressive? You know, when do I need to, you know, maybe be a little bit more patient? And, you know, on a day when the offense was really off kilter, I thought he was off kilter um, with some of those decisions and defensively just wasn't as solid as we normally see him, but did bring effort and toughness. It just wasn't the smartest game he's played. Yeah, no, he does that all the time. That That's his calling card. And uh, I think that he probably forced some things tonight or today trying to do too much. I mean, with the team getting smoked like that, a guy like Al's instinct is to go, 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 go. And I think that that probably, you know, hurt his performance a little bit, but again, you watch the game and he's one of the few guys who's engaged and, and, and really working and playing hard. And, uh, you know, he's been the guy that you can rely on to do that from the very beginning this season. And and so it's, it's one of the, he's one of the bright spots that I'm looking forward to next year to see how he develops as a player, because we know you hear stories from people about how hard he works. And if that guy is giving that effort and he works even harder, uh, it's, you know, watch out to what he can become. But yeah, I thought it was definitely a slow start for Al today. And then he sort of kind of got into a rhythm uh, and then hit some, hit some, hit a three late, had some points late. Uh, But it, offensively wasn't his greatest game, but at least he's a guy giving effort. And yeah, we're at that point where we're saying, well, at least somebody's giving effort. You know, I mean, that's where we're at right now. But the thing I appreciate about him is he's on a team with a lot of guys who, when they get frustrated and things aren't going away, they become more passive and they kind of fall away from it. He kind of goes the other way. And yeah, sometimes that leads to maybe like overdoing it, but you would always rather have to slow a guy down than speed him up. And this Take seems to be a team that you need to speed too many guys up, and that's not Al. So kudos to him for that, Chad. Al's, Al's always going to try. The key word with, with Al is try. Sometimes he tries too hard. Sometimes he tries too much. But he's going to give you that effort and try. He's he's going to get out there, and, and you know that's going to be there. I mean, he's been the wide-eyed freshman last year, and he found a little bit of skills, and he gained a little bit of confidence. So now he's going to get out there, and he's going to try for you. So I at least appreciate that. All right. Any other individual uh, performances that stood out? Fitzner goes 0 for 4 from downtown. You know, Demizi misses both of his threes. So there's, you know, 0 for 6 right there from two guys whose primary skill on the court is the ability to make threes. They go 0 for 6. I thought Demizi had one nice moment when he led the break, and that led to a bucket for Al Durham. That was nice to see. You know, Justin Smith, a very forgettable two points. He played 16 minutes, was not good. He was terrible. He was, yeah. His defense was awful. It it was. He just, you know, I mean, he played so well against Minnesota last year. It was kind of his breakout game. And he just has looked a little disengaged, you know, especially these last few games. It was a broken record with Justin. Again, his first two possessions were him doing things that he doesn't do. He was dribble driving and tried to hook. And then it was a pull up on the, uh, on the line. And he, he, it, Again, same same thing, and then he just disappeared, like you said, for the rest of the game. Yeah, you know, Rob Finnessy, apparently he was sick all week. Um, you know, that, that that guy just can't catch a break this year. Had an upper yeah, respiratory upper effect. Rest- of, yeah, strep, strep throat. throat. 
I know. So, you know, he looked a little off kilter too. And some of his shot selection of late, you know, hasn't been as solid as it was before. His three point shooting is not back yet. I mean, he's missing it's by not. a foot. It's he, not. He's just not there. He was in a great rhythm in December and it's just been thrown off. Any other, any other individual performances that are worth noting? I mean, otherwise it was kind of a lot of the same that we've, that we've seen really from was. guys. I mean, we've covered some of the other guys too, like Romeo and, and Ray Thompson. I mean, other than that, a lot of forgettable. So, so, so I guess I thought, the Davis, I thought Deron Davis did pretty well. Ten points, four rebounds, three of six from the field. Uh, Would have liked to see two of those go. Two of those other ones go in. Uh, he was close enough. He should have made them. But four or five from the free throw line, four rebounds, a steal, three blocks. Uh, you, you just again. Deron Davis isn't going to be Deron Davis till next year, but what we're seeing from him is is positive, uh, just because he's able to get on the floor and do some stuff. So, again, it's small, small victories, but seeing Deron Davis start a, a game and play a lot is uh, is is always going to be a positive because I think that next year he can be a really, really important piece of the team. So, just seeing him work his way back from that injury is a positive. I'll, I, so, I will add that to Ray Thompson. Those are my two positives. Today. I mean, yeah. we, we were talking uh, the last show and, and, and recently about wanting to see Davis start and wanting to see him play as many minutes as he can. So obviously we obviously we have some sort of power in there. So I think let's put out there as well. Let's see race play as many minutes as he can now. Uh, maybe he even a game or two down the road starts as well. Let's let's keep trying things. God, that'd be great. <laughs> it would be great to see him out there. Yeah, I saw someone in the chat that mentioned, you know, Fitzner tricked them all like Cinderella at the ball. Here's what I'll say about Fitzner. You know, this is a guy that over three years at St. Mary's was over 40% from three-point range every single year. And, you know, on one, you know, one or two makes a game. Like, I mean, it was a decent amount of volume. So it made some sense to bring in a guy to give you some depth down low that could make threes. It made some sense at the time, but man, has that decision backfired on Archie Miller in Indiana, because not only is he not making threes, but you can't really count on him to, you know, anything. deliver anything down low. And so it's no. really, it, it that has really, really hurt Indiana. And remember. it's been magnified with the injuries because you've needed him even more. Well, and, and it's, it's worth remembering that they got him late in the grad transfer process. It wasn't like he was there there. He was right off the bat. That's the guy we want. And they went out and got him. They were still recruiting some guys and they were looking at other grad transfers. And then they sort of, it got into a couple guys decided where they were going, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, he was sort of down the list and they said, we've got an open scholarship. Let's just do it. They brought him in thinking that he would be off the bench in a rotation with race Thompson, Jerome Hunter, some other guys so yeah he's a weapon you can use not the first big man off the bench which is what he was to open the year and first part of the year and let's remember early in the year he had some nice games where you're sort of thinking all right this guy can do some things and it just has disintegrated along with everybody else so you can be rough on fitzner and you can be rough on the decision to bring him in but remember he was brought in for a different role than the one he's had to play where he's been one of the primary guys off the bench on and off all season that is not what they were bringing him in for and they were bringing him in for to be in that group of low post guys who are going to be rotating in and out uh so i mean you know this is this has definitely turned out differently than everybody expected it but like a lot of guys on this team he's just not performing up to expectations i mean if your thing is you're a shooter 
you can't go over four when you get three of those are really good looks. No, it's it's I, expectations. It's I mean his proven track record. That's the yeah. thing. You know, I was I was excited going into this game to see what he was going to do because he had the golden jersey this past week. I mean, we saw on the social media things. Do we know why he did? I mean, I I thought maybe he turned a corner at least in practice enough to get that golden jersey. Maybe that's indicative of how practices are going right now. That Fitzner would be the one with the golden jersey, but yeah. um, and we saw nothing from that. Now, you know, I saw some comments in the chat. We should have gone for Matt Mooney, should have gone for Ryan Taylor. Look, this coaching staff prioritized shooting in the grad transfer market. We went after went Ryan after. Taylor hard. He didn't yes. want to come because Romeo was coming. And so Ryan he Taylor went to Northwestern. Was. Yeah. So, I mean, the staff did that and they got a guy who profiled to make threes. It hasn't happened. And this isn't to absolve them from blame. And at some point, a, a guy comes into your program and he craters on the one skill that he's good at, yes, that is in part on him, and it's in part on the fact that, you know, your system hasn't helped him, you know, and, and you haven't been able to build up his confidence, so it doesn't absolve the blame, but, man, it is when difficult ask, when... Here's the thing. When people ask, and I said this earlier, when people ask, who does the blame fall on, players or coaches? It falls on everyone. Both. <laughs> okay? It's it's everybody. It's the they're a team. The coaches and players, coaches are basically members of the team. It falls on everybody. And, um, you know, they're in charge and everything. But at the same time, when things go badly, it's on the players on the team to help lift things up. And it's on the coaches to lift things up. And when things go this badly, it's on everybody. And they all need to figure this out. And, you know, what? Kent Sterling asked me this week, uh, just dropping that name, by the way, uh, when um, he asked me, this week when I was on the uh, radio with him, you know, should I is what do you think of guaranteeing for your scholarships or should these guys be year to year and, and be able to have their scholarships taken? I do not think the scholarship should be taken. I think you should guarantee a guy a four year scholarship. And the reason why, because it's the right thing to do. These players get taken advantage of on the, you know, in this system consistently. I think at the very least, the one thing you can do is guarantee that they will have a home for four years and they will be fed for four years and they will be educated for four years. It doesn't guarantee them playing time. <laughs> no, that's the thing is it doesn't guarantee you playing time. What it guarantees you is that you will have a spot for four years. I think it's actually five, for, you know, to play for. Um, but that's the right thing to do. It's on the coaches when they select that guy to select a guy who they can develop and, and who, you know, won't just get his scholarship and want to hang out and, and wants to actually like get better. It's on that vetting process of the coaches to find those. And by the way, I think the NCA should go nationally to guaranteed scholarships. You should not be able to cut players because they are turning their lives over to you essentially. Yeah. When, to college unless they and, don't get the job done academically or do stuff off the right board. well that's yeah, they're different. doing that's yeah if they're doing everything the, right just to be right. clear that's not living up to the terms of your scholarship you have to remain eligible you have to do x you have to do y you have to do z you have to not you know take drugs and you have to not do certain things i mean there are rules that you have to follow but i think that nationally the ncaa needs to guarantee for your scholarships i mean right now it's kind of on an honor code that universities will do that and they don't and so i think it's right but at the same time those players have to live up to the expectations of their scholarship as well and show up every day and play hard and, and behave by the rules. And so I don't think the, the answer to your problems when you're a coach is get rid of everybody. Let's bring in new people. I think it is change what you're doing to fix these guys and make them better because it's not always just about talent level. It's a lot of it is about how you're communicating with these guys, how they're yeah. hearing it, how they're developing and you know, if they're not engaged, figure out how to get them engaged. You're like a teacher. 
teachers don't have the same 20 kids in a class. Everybody's different and they got to figure out how to get everybody to the same point. Yeah. And maybe use whatever you learn from a bad experience to inform your talent acquisition and people exactly. acquisition moving forward. Uh, did you want to say anything else, Chad, before we end and go to segment four? No, I was just, I was just jumping on, on, on the Evan, what we were saying with him. I mean, we went out to get a shooter, like you said, and he just happened to be 6'10 as well. And because of injuries and troubles we had with the roster, he was put in there a lot more to play the big man. If, if we had gone and gotten a shooter that was maybe 6'4", 6'5", he maybe would not have played as much as we've had to play Evan and where Evan has had to play. Uh, that doesn't absolve him from everything, obviously, but uh, it does add to compound to what what the issue has been with him. Yep. All right. Coming up on our final segment, we see if anything was worthy of a game ball. Uh, we'll hit any other storylines. I want to talk real quick about Jerome Hunter. Um, and then in our last call, we'll deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's disappointing loss to Minnesota. That's next. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Chad Schwartzkoff and Ryan Phillips, and we are wrapping up another just bewildered episode of the Assembly Call as your Hoosiers drop their 10th out of 11 games to Minnesota today. Guys, this is the uh, the point in the show when we always hand out our game balls, uh, and we will hand out a game ball somehow. I'll go first because I'm giving it to Race Thompson, which might seem ridiculous since he only played seven minutes, but you know what? Given what that guy has gone through with the concussions, with the illness, to keep working hard, you know, on his conditioning, to be ready to play and get those minutes. And then when he got those minutes, even in a game that was as out of reach as this one, to go out there and actually assert himself and play hard and play with some enthusiasm and some toughness. Yeah, the game was out of reach, but I liked what I saw from him. And on a day where there just weren't very many bright spots, seeing that guy out there on the court was awesome. So it didn't contribute to winning, obviously, and it was only seven minutes. But that's kind of how bad the rest of the game was and how exciting it was to see him out there. So Race Thompson gets my game ball, both for what he did today and for his ability to battle back when many people thought he might not play it all this season to get back on the court to help this team down the stretch. Game ball to Race Thompson. You guys are all nodding, so I'm guessing you agree with that pick? I'm giving it to Race. I mean, Jared and I, we get texts from insiders. We get emails from insiders all the time. There were people in December when... It was a couple weeks after it happened. He said, I, I've never seen a worse concussion. I don't think this kid's going to play. There were people who thought his career might be over. Yep. We weren't talking about that on the air. We, were, we didn't want to put that out there in the universe. But there are people who thought legitimately his career might be over. And you've heard him talk about it now where he couldn't even go to class, which I'm sure, you know, a, he didn't mind that, right? <laughs> but no, he was kept, you know, he wasn't on the bench. He had, they had to keep him in dark rooms. They had, to, you know, I mean, it was... Really, 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 really bad. That's a ma major head injury. And for that kid to battle back, come back, and then be go home to Minnesota and, and play the way he did, I know it was only seven minutes, but you know what? He showed a lot, and he showed a lot of fight, too. When guys weren't diving on the floor going after balls, he was. He was in the mix, and he was not tentative. And you come back from a head injury, I wouldn't blame you for being a little tentative in your first at game action. He was not. He was willing to fight, and that's the kind of guy that Indiana really, really needs at this point. 
Yeah, it's it's race for me, obviously, too. I mean, that's the one positive you look at for a game that's a blowout like this, because then race gets more minutes. Um, and we all kind of go into this game not knowing uh, or kind of curtailing our expectations as to what we're going to get from him. And he exceeds everything that, that I think I was expecting to get out of him. Um, and yeah, he has it. Ryan, did you have a press conference quote that you wanted to get to? Uh, yeah, let me pull it up. Archie Miller in his press conference. I think this is uh, a lot of what some people have wanted to hear for a while from Archie Miller. He says uh, this is from Mike Miller uh, of the Herald Times. Archie Miller, this this one, this is sort of a deal breaker. We have to make some real, in my opinion, drastic changes to the way we're doing things right now. We've got to get some guys attention and we need some guys to play better. So I think that you're finally seeing Archie Miller. There you go. You know, he has almost been um, really deliberate in what he has said in the past and tried not to sort of overreact and get angry and whatever. But it's clear he's kind of at his limit. And and that's a po- I think that's a positive for the program. I know it, it should have never gotten to this point. But if you're hearing him say that publicly that, OK, we need to uh, change some of the things we're doing, meaning the coaching staff, which is the way I took it and also get some guys to play better. I think that that's a big deal for Indiana. Yep, this that's huge. Good, Glad to see that a good barometer to see who responds to this now. And obviously, uh, if we see guys that don't, uh, we may not see him next year. I remember, I think it was my junior year of high school, Christmas break. You know, we had not been playing well. And our coach was like, you know what? Screw this. Whoever plays the hardest in practice is going to, is it, it's all spots are open. And whoever plays the hardest is going to get those spots. You know, it might be time for something like that, you know, to where you just look, nothing is working. We're going to go with the guys that give us the effort and the focus, whoever that is. So it's time to earn it. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you go that drastic, if that kind of stuff would work, but it certainly seems like he's, you know, he has tried some things, hasn't tried as much as people have wanted. Hopefully, you know, Ryan, that's indicative of some kind of change that we'll see uh, here down the stretch. So one thing I want to mention real quick is about Jerome Hunter. Because, you know, so much talk about him this year, it's been such a mysterious kind of, you know, reason why he's out. And, and, and you know, you heard on the broadcast today, people say, you know, I don't know if he's ever going to play for Indiana. And I just, I think it's important that people know, just to give you as much as I know about this situation, like, number one, it's not an injury, it's a condition. And he had, you know, no one really knows what the condition is. I don't know what the exact condition is. He did have surgery that was announced to try to help alleviate it, to try and help fix it. That is no guarantee that he will be ready for next season. He didn't tear an ACL to where there's a timetable. So when you hear people talk like that, where it's like, boy, this guy is so good, if he can get back on the court, you know, I haven't, no one has told me like, yeah, he's, you know, for sure 100% going to be back ready for next season. But no one has said the opposite either. It really is kind of a wait and see thing. So as you start projecting forward for next year and talking about him, just understand no one really knows right now. And it's a damn shame because he's a really good player, so talented, could have meant so much to this team, has such a bright future in the game. But just know that, you know, it is kind of up in the air and no one really knows exactly what the condition is. So that's not, you know, those aren't kind of ridiculous statements when you hear them. That's, you know, I'm hearing the exact same thing. So we all hope for the best, you know, for him. But that's, you know, it's kind of one of the challenges of when you start projecting forward for next year because he's such an important piece of the puzzle. And I've also heard that Jerome, I know some people uh, texted me thinking that when somebody said today, I don't know if he'll ever play for Indiana, was he thinking about transferring or whatever? No, Jerome's no all in way. on it. Yeah. He loves IU and he loves this coaching staff and everything. And I mean, look, this coaching staff has 
held his family's hand through all of this. You know, they've been right there. They're just as concerned about his well-being as we've seen with the concussion guys and everybody else. So um, this coaching staff has handled this cor correctly, I think, and has been very attentive to what he's needed. Um, again, we don't know what's going on. Uh, as Jared said, again, this is, we get texts from people, we get emails from people that doesn't make the air because it's irresponsible in some cases to put that stuff out there. But there's, there's genuine concern about him personally, not, you know, his just as a basketball player. So this has been a really tough situation for everybody involved because again, you look at those recruiting rankings last year, you include race Thompson in the incoming class because he reclassified. He really was in that, in that class. Those are the two highest rated guys after Romeo and you've, haven't had them all year. I mean, that's a huge blow to this program. Um, but again, the concern is with these kids' health, not uh, basketball. That's the last concern, as it should be. Any other storylines you guys want to hit before we get to last call? I think we've said about as much as can be said about this game. We've beaten this game up just yep. like uh, Minnesota did <laughs> to Indiana today. Pretty much. Um, so looking ahead, Quick turnaround. So we will have Banner Monday on Monday. We'll talk a little bit more about the Purdue game there. Uh, and then IU-Purdue Tuesday night, you know, obviously a huge opportunity again, you know, for Indiana to get something positive going here down the stretch. But my goodness, are they going to have to play better against a Purdue team that executes so well and plays really hard on both ends of the court? This Indiana team is going to have to have a lot more mental toughness and fight uh, if they want to make that a game on Tuesday night. And hopefully they do. It's, they're, it's certainly within... The realm of possibility, we've seen it, but they need to make shots and they need to play with toughness and effort and energy and togetherness. And that has just been in far, far too short supply during this 11-game stretch that has included 10 losses. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at HoosierProud.com and at HomeFieldApparel.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, go to HomeFieldApparel.com. And if you want one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com on both sites. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your entire order. All right, guys, it is time for last call. Chad, you go first. Final thoughts. I think the hardest thing this year that we've had to deal with is the word expectations as an IU fan. I mean, at the beginning of the season, it hit an all-time high with Romeo committing. I mean, I can remember myself standing in, in my kitchen uh, watching a stream uh, that was cutting in and out and watching him hover over those hats and then finally grab the IU hat and put it on and screaming out loud and my kids wondering what I was yelling at. Uh, and then and then we get into the season and and, and we, we have some really great games. Uh, we win Marquette. And uh, just it seems like this team is going to be what it is. Then things slowly start to lower and our expectations are, are getting hit. And then we have Michigan State and we're raised again and we're excited again. And then now we haven't responded again. And well, now this game, we have been hit with a new expectation. And I just caution IU fans not to jump on him too much. But race has raised the expectations once again. And just remember, he's a guy like we stated earlier that was very hurt. And he is going to need some time. Maybe he does reach those expectations and we didn't set it too high or aren't too excited right now. But let's not be hard on him if he isn't. Ryan, last call. Uh, it's just hard to see where the season's gone. You know, I mean, again, it's it's almost staggering to think that, you know, a month and a half ago, this team was 12 and 2 and on top of the world and with a bunch of good wins already in its pocket and three and zero in the big 10 and things have certainly just taken 
the weirdest turn. I mean, they really have. And, and the change in the way this team is playing, the change in the fight we're seeing out of them, it almost feels like they've gotten worse while everybody else has gotten better. And that's, that's dangerous. And that's sad to see because this team had a lot of potential. Uh, right now, it's all about this team learning to fight and, and figuring out a way to fight back. And maybe that's what the coaching staff is going to get to do, get together and, and figure out as a way to get these guys to just fight. If they come out against Purdue and lose by five, but they fight their tails off, I'll feel better about it. Like I last year. <laughs> that's exactly I, what I, happened in last year's game. I felt better about about the Iowa loss. I felt better about the Ohio State loss than I had previously. And then this blew it all off. Now, again, I'm not happy with those losses, and I think both games should have been won, but you felt better talking about them afterward, thinking, okay, you know, there's stuff to build on here in a loss. There's nothing to build on from today's game other than race showing up. Um, so, yeah, I would say that it's just a really, really bad situation right now, and hopefully the coaches have something planned to to turn this around because they need to. I tell you, this was just a dreadful performance. It was awful to watch. It, it was just not, uh, you know, it just didn't seem to be a lot of pride in the Crimson jerseys today. And that is awful as a fan when you see that. So the only thing, Chad, you're right. You know, seeing Race Thompson out there, that's a positive take from today. The only other thing, the only other kind of thing I'm taking solace in right now is this quote from Archie Miller. This one, this is sort of a deal breaker. We have to make some real, in my opinion, drastic changes to the way we're doing things right now. We've got to get some guys' attention, and we need to get some guys to play better. It's the same one Ryan read earlier. I agree wholeheartedly. And, you know, you could maybe argue that that comment should have come out six games ago, whatever. At least it came out. But talk is also cheap. And so now we've got to see it. And I look forward to you know actually watching the press conference and kind of seeing the, the facial expressions and the nonverbals that accompanied those words because those are strong words and they're correct. And I think we all agree with them. And now we'll see if this team has something that they can do down the stretch because this staff has not had answers so far. The players have not had answers. And it's just led to, I mean, just... I mean, one of the most dreadful six, seven-week stretches of Indiana basketball that any of us can remember. So hopefully they've got something planned uh, or they're able to get something done here over the final few weeks of the season uh, to try to salvage something because uh, what we saw today was completely unacceptable. It certainly seems like the coach understands that. Now we'll get to find out if he has any ability to do anything about it with this group of players. And that's what we'll be watching for starting Tuesday night. All right, that will do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back for Banner Monday on Monday and then for the IU Purdue Postgame Show on Tuesday night. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. 
On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.